step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today's active missing persons case comes to us from Tomball, Texas, which is part of Harris County. If you're a longtime listener, you'll be very familiar with my disdain for the Harris County Sheriff's Department, the law enforcement agency responsible for the wrongful conviction of Sandy Melgar. If you're new here, you should definitely give Season 6 a listen to better understand. Today's case is obviously not a wrongful conviction, it's a missing persons case. But just like with Sandy, in my opinion, the Harris County Sheriff's Department is once again responsible for the disappearance of Kay Alana Turner. This story has some twists and turns, so I'm going to break down some of the key details to you before we hear from Kay Alana's mother. Rosa, her mom, is going to spend quite a bit of time on the years leading up to the disappearance. And there's good reason for that. The reason is because the Harris County Sheriff's Department has twisted this story and smeared the name of Kaylana. They described her as a homeless drug addict, and rather than organizing searches for a missing person, they labeled her as a fugitive. I'm going to let Rosa give you the backstory, but these are the details beginning on the night of March 9th of this year. That night, Kaylana left Beaumont, Texas, headed for Austin. She called a friend there in Austin and told them that she was on her way. In the early morning hours of March 10th, something was happening. A mixture of exhaustion, an underlying heart condition, and a new regimen of medication prescribed by her doctor left Kaylana desperately needing to get some sleep. A possibly disoriented Kaylana found herself in rural Tomball, Texas. We don't know how, but for some reason she ended up in what I would consider to be a very upper-class but rural subdivision. These aren't cookie-cutter houses. These are big, very nice homes on very large wooded lots. Most of the homes have long driveways with gates at the end. The following sequence of events was pieced together by Kaylana's family by speaking with people in the neighborhood over the past few months. Sometime in the early morning hours, Kaylana pulled into a driveway and a teenager came outside to see what she wanted. She asked if she could park in the driveway to get some sleep. The teenager said that he had to go inside and ask his parents, but when he returned, the car was gone. From there, Kaylana moved on to another driveway. The resident of that house heard singing outside. She looked outside and saw a young woman sitting in her driveway in her car, singing. She didn't see Kaylana as a threat, but she was certainly concerned that something may be off with her. 
The witness told Kay's mom that she did not appear to be drunk, but definitely seemed out of it. She was singing and saying that she loved everybody. And after that, Kaylana moved to a third driveway and fell asleep. This house happened to be an Airbnb that, according to Rosa, was being rented by a family who was in town due to a relative being in the hospital. That family happened to be black, and I'm only telling you that because they eventually got profiled, just like Kaylana did. The renters return from the hospital at around 5 a.m. and find Kaylana sleeping in the driveway. They wake her up and ask her if she would mind moving her car. She was blocking the gate, and that house has a very long driveway. So then Kaylana moves into the driveway next door and goes back to sleep. And this is where things break bad. The resident of that house sees Kaylana sleeping in their driveway and they call the police. While they wait for the police, that resident also makes a call to the HOA president. He heads towards the house but uses his car to block the end of the cul-de-sac. There's only one way in and one way out and he just blocked it. He apparently didn't want the sleeping woman to escape before the police got there. Then Kaylana is confronted. Now, it's unclear if this was done by the HOA president himself, or there are also reports that there might have been a constable on the scene. But someone knocks on the window and wakes Kaylana up. They tell her that she needs to leave. According to the neighbors, at that point, she tries to leave the neighborhood, puts the car in gear, and drives out of the cul-de-sac until she comes to the car that was blocking her way. She was trapped. She then turns around and goes back to the driveway. Then things start getting chaotic. People are banging on the window of the car. They're yelling at her, shining flashlights on her, and taking pictures of her. According to her mother, it's evident in those pictures that Kaylana was having a cardiac incident. I haven't seen the pictures, but Rosa said that her lips are blue and she has a deer-in-the-headlight stare. As you're going to hear in just a few minutes, Kaylana had a heart condition that she believes led to this. But then, the Harris County Sheriff's arrive. They bang on the window and try to force their way into the car. Kaylana begins to panic and she's locking the doors of the car over and over again as they shine flashlights in her face and bang on the windows. She's terrified. And then, according to police documents obtained from the Harris County Clerk's website, one of the officers picked up a wooden 2x4 and smashed the driver's side front window, showering Kaylana with shards of glass. At this point, I want to remind you that her alleged offense at this point that led to this was sleeping in a driveway. And let's not forget that despite the police saying that she refused to leave, she actually tried to leave the neighborhood and was trapped in by the residents. So the officer smashed in the window and Kaylana panicked. She throws the car in gear and drives through the front yard, through a fence into the neighbor's backyard, and then through another fence into a large pasture behind the subdivision, and took off cross-country. This is all occurring at about 5.25 a.m., over an hour before sunrise. She drives through the pasture, and at the edge, she comes to a wooded area. She drives a little ways into the woods before her car gets stuck in some mud. Kaylana is 28 years old, petite, and was wearing a long pink dress. She gets out of the car barefoot and takes off running into the woods. This was March 10th of this year. She hasn't been seen since. Thanks in large part to the Harris County Sheriff's Department who refused to provide any assistance in searching for Kaylana for over two weeks. Instead, they issued a warrant 
for her arrest and labeled her a homeless, drug-addicted fugitive. Those are the basic facts of the events of that terrible morning. And the reason I wanted to share that story with you before starting the interview is so you understand why Kay's mother, Rosa, is so desperate to explain what really happened. Not only has her daughter been missing for four months, but the world has been told that Kay Alana is a throwaway. Just a drug addict who must have been in that neighborhood to buy drugs from those renters. Renters who were pegged as drug dealers seemingly for no other reason than because they were black. In this interview, I began by asking Rosa Calhoun to just tell me about her daughter. And the next time I utter a word will be an hour from now. Kaylana really is the sweetest, kindest girl. She has always been about helping people, and she works with the homeless here in our area. She works with teaching English to Spanish speakers that are new to the country. She just cares about everybody. If if you need help, she's the first one on the job. She grew up going on multiple mission trips. She's built I don't know how many wheelchair ramps in her lifetime. She's painted. She's done whatever needed to be done on these mission trips, and she never backed down. And that's saying a lot because Kailana was born with a heart condition. And so for the first four, five, six years of her life, she spent most of her time in bed and had to be carried around because her heart was so fragile and she um, would just go into like seizures and, and things like that. And she would sleep for days when she would have, she has ventricular septal defect with AFib. And so when her heart wasn't working the way it was supposed to work, she would just sleep for days. Her lips would turn blue and she would just sleep. And so when she was four years old, they were going to do heart surgery on her. And we went, we did all the testing and stuff, and they did this really cool ultrasound thing where they could see actually how her heart worked and how it pumped and everything. And so when we went to the cardiologist and we're thinking we're getting ready to schedule this heart surgery, the cardiologist says, I want to show y'all something, and I want you to understand why we've kind of changed our plan. And I was like, okay, my husband, you know, we, we just thought, okay, what, what, what's the plan and what's going on? And so he showed us this video of Kaylana's heart and we knew that she had had an episode while they were doing it. And so she's got this little flap in her heart that flips. And when it flips, her lips turn blue and she's not getting oxygen. And in a minute, you could see her heart do like this little blip thing and that flap flipped back the way it was and she began to be okay again. Mm-hmm. And the cardiologist said, we were going to try to reroute her heart, but we feel like that that may be more dangerous for her and she may not survive that. And so what we're 
what we want to do is we just want to keep it like it is because her heart seems to be working. It seems to correct itself. And I said, when, when her lips turn blue, we know that she sleeps and she, she just really, it takes her a long time to get over it. And he said, yes, but if we do this surgery, then, you know, we don't know if we're actually going to do more damage to her. And so we just kind of lived our life that way with when she would have an episode, she would have to recover from it and we would just move on. That was, that was how Carolina's heart worked. And then we found out later that that was, that the heart condition that Carolina has is the exact same heart condition that my grandfather died from. I have two sisters and a nephew that has, has the same heart condition. And both of my sisters have pacemakers. So Carolina has always had episodes with her heart. So because of this, she spent a lot of time in bed and she spent a lot of time reading and just learning. She was like a sponge. She loved, loves to read. And so when she was three years old, we were watching the, the National Spelling Bee and she said, I do that. And I said, um, you're, what you're going to do? And she said, I do that. And so until the time she was in eighth grade, she studied spelling. So she has this humongous vocabulary and she actually qualified at when it started, when she first qualified, it was the Houston Chronicle spelling bee. And so she made it to that two years. And then on the third year, it was the PBS spelling bee. And so her last year, she was 14th that year from making it to the national spelling bee. Wow. From fourth grade through eighth grade, we were homeschooling her. She just, she was just weak. And um, we just thought it was better. Finishing eighth grade and the national spelling bee stuff was over. And she loved a challenge. Academically, she loved a challenge. And so she wanted to go to, to public school and we had lots of friends that were teachers in our little, cause we live in a little rural area and, and they're like, she'll be okay. And they will, they'll make accommodations for her. And so we knew it was going to be really, really hard on her. And because she was homeschooled, they wanted us to put her in remedial classes. And I was just, like if you put her in remedial classes, she really can't come because she really is smart. Well, they ended up giving her the tax test for Texas, which at the time was their standardized testing. And she ended up making three one hundreds and a ninety eight on their tax test. And so they ended up letting her be in the AP class at Lumberton High School. And she ended up graduating salutatorian of her class and earned $3.68 million in scholarships wow. her senior year when she graduated. Oh my goodness. So she's like extremely, extremely, extremely bright. So then she went to Lamar University and she heard about their ambassador program and got very interested in that and actually was... I'm not sure if like election or what the process is to become a Lamar University ambassador, but 
she was able to become a Lamar University ambassador and she won the McNair Scholarship. So she is a McNair Scholar and for her McNair Scholar program, she actually did ecotourism in Guatemala. And then she'd won a scholarship to go to Spain and do a study abroad in Spain. She won a scholarship to go and do a study abroad in France. And so she had done a lot of of traveling, but her degree plan was she double majored in business and Spanish and with a minor in hospitality. So her goal was to work in the hotel industry and, and work in ecotourism and things like that. And so in 2019, in October of 2019, she ended up going to New York City and working at a hotel in Times Square. And she was living in Brooklyn. So it was about an hour and a half commute into work and then an hour and a half commute back home. In March, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, everything in New York City shut down, except Kailana was still working. So she would ride the subway every day. And she called me and she was, she said, Mama, the, the train stops at every stop and I'm the only person on the train. So it's still taking her an hour and a half to get home. And she's on the train all by herself. And, but she would call panicked about stuff like she couldn't find a thermometer. And I ended up searching all over here. It took me like eight hours here to find a thermometer to mail to her next day. And that cost $118 (laughs) to mail an $8 thermometer. And I sent, I put, she said there was no medicine. And with everything that was going on, she had asthma, she had other things, you know. So I sent medicine to her and I sent the thermometer and it was $118 to send it next day. And when she got it, she said, Mama, she said, this has saved my life. You know, she was just so thankful that we had done it. And it was, it was worth $118 for her to have that peace of mind that she had all that stuff. We just kept begging her to come home, baby, please come home, please come home. She was like, no, I have my job and everything. Well, the hotel that she worked at, she worked at the Hampton Inn in Times Square. And they ended up bringing in the first responders. So the military's first responders. So she had a hotel full of first responders. She's seeing what they're seeing and hearing their stories. And her and one of the girls that she worked with decided these these people are away from their families. It's Easter time and they got together some of the plastic Easter eggs and made an Easter egg hunt for the first responders in their hotel because she cares about people. And so it was like a little bright light for them during that time. But the whole time Kailana was suffering. It was it was terrible. The pandemic in New York City was so different than what people other places saw, especially in rural areas. I mean, we were hardly affected by it at all here. And Kiwana was walking past trucks full of dead bodies, you know. And my heart was broken for her because 
she's so tenderhearted anyway. And to deal with that was just unbelievable for her. And we're still begging her, please, baby, just come home. Just come home. Well, her sister later got pregnant um, from her husband. And so they called Kiwana and they said, we're having a baby and we want you to come home. And um, Kay's like, I'm working towards that. I'm working towards coming home. And so Ryder was born in December of 2020. And Kaylana made it home May of 2021. And when she came back, she was shaking. She was like, um, everything she did, she could just, any noise would make her jump. And she was, we'd never seen her like that because we'd always seen her be brave because she had dealt with so many medical issues and so many things. And so to see her come back just a shell of a person, she would wear her face mask in the house. And we're like, baby, you're okay. And she's like, no, no. And we had no understanding. We hadn't, we hadn't gone through something like that. And so we had no understanding of why she was so, she was so shook up and it took months and months and months for her to finally stop wearing the face mask. And um, during that time, she met her boyfriend, James. And James was the key to helping Kaylana because he was so gentle and he spoke so kindly. And so he just we just watched him comfort her and take care of her and we credit him with a lot of Kaylana's healing during that time and as time went on she one of her friends had suggested that she maybe should see a psychiatrist so she started seeing a psychiatrist here in Beaumont during that time and I'm not sure why but she lost her insurance and so she stopped seeing the psychiatrist. She stopped everything in December of last year, 2022, she got insurance again. And she had asked, for, you know, who, who should I see? And they're like, oh, there's this doctor in Houston. He's really, really good. And so in January 2023, she began to see this doctor. And we found her first medication from him was on January 17th. And he had prescribed Ritalin and Zoloft. And she had told her friend Brittany that she wasn't doing, you know, it wasn't, she wasn't handling the medication. And our family has a real problem with medication. We have strong reactions to medication. So Brittany said, well, you need to talk to your doctor and let him know this is going on. And so apparently when she talked to him, instead of saying, okay, let's do something different, he doubled down on her dose of medication. So on the 20th of February, her medication went from 50 milligrams of Zoloft to 100 milligrams of Zoloft. 
from what we understand, it takes about two weeks for medication to like get to its full strength in your system. And that prescription, the bottle said February 20th. So February is a short month. So you're talking eight days in February. And she went missing on the 10th of March, which would be 18 days from the start of the medication. Well, she had gone. Carolina has just the best friend in the whole wide world. Brittany Mendoza is Carolina's best friend. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the night of March the 9th, actually, I think she went on March the 8th just to spend some time with Brittany. Brittany was working on something. And so, Kaylana had said, oh, I'll just come stay there and we'll we'll work on it together. Well, when Kaylana got there, Brittany said she noticed that Kay was like really shaking and that there was, it just seemed like there was something really strange going on. And she said, Kay, are you okay? And Kay said, I haven't been sleeping. Um, I haven't slept in, in two days, and I think it's the medication. And Brittany was like, "Call the doctor. Let let them know. You know, let them know this is going on." And so Brittany was really concerned for her. And so on the night, the 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 night, Kaylana was still there. And then on the morning of the night, Brittany had went to check on Kay. And when she did, Kay didn't answer the door. Uh, bedroom door was closed. And so Brittany's like, oh, good. She's sleeping. You know, just thinking, good. She needed to sleep. Kaylana had been working really hard. She's been working on her album. She sings beautiful and just plays multiple instruments. And so she's kind of nocturnal. And so she had been working on her album. In fact, she had been sending her dad like snippets of what she was working on while she was working on it. So she'd been working on that for a few months. And so Brittany was like, okay, she's just gone to sleep. And Brittany went to work, which is a normal thing to do. So Brittany gets home. Kaylana's not there. And she gets a text from Kaylana that says, no help. Brittany's like, she said, I don't know what." what this means. So she started trying to call Kaylana 
and couldn't get a hold of her. And it took it took several calls, several times before finally either Kaylana called Brittany back or Kaylana answered Brittany's call. So Brittany said, "Hey, what does this mean? No help." And and she's like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know." And Brittany said, "Are you okay?" And she's, "I'm okay. I'm just driving around." And Brittany was like, okay, um, she's like, my phone's going to die. And so Brittany was trying to give her her number. Kids don't know numbers. They they just put somebody's phone number, get put in their phone, and they never learn a number. Mm-hmm. And so Brittany was trying to tell her, you know, take take down my number and and everything. And Brittany hangs up, uh, Kay hangs up on Brittany, and Brittany can't get a hold of her anymore. So Brittany calls Kaylana's boyfriend, James, and says, hey, can you go drive around Beaumont? Kaylana says she's just driving around. So James goes, and he drives around until 2 o'clock in the morning. He's going to all the places where Kay plays music at. He's going to, like, the places where they go to eat at. He's going, driving past friends' houses and stuff. And so by 2 o'clock in the morning, he hasn't found her. And he says, well, she maybe she went to her parents' house. So he ends up going home because he had to be at work the next morning early. Fast forward to Friday, March the 10th. My phone rings at 10 o'clock in the morning. I do childcare in my home. So the phone rings at 10 o'clock in the morning. It is Brittany, and she is panicked. She said, I can't find Kaylana. Her locator is off on her phone. I can't find her. And then she tells me what had happened. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go look for her. So I call my husband. I called the family that I, I sit for. And the grandma came and got the kids. I called my husband and he says, maybe she went to Austin. She's, they've got a friend that lives in Austin. Kay went to Austin last year for South by Southwest. She said, call Brittany back and have her call. And so I called Brittany. And I said, can you call and check with this friend and see if maybe Kay went to Austin? So I still get in my car. I'm driving to Beaumont and driving around trying to find Kay. Brittany calls me and she said she called and told him that her phone was at 3% and that she was in Hockley, Texas, but she was coming to Austin. So at this point, I'm in Beaumont. I go to where my husband works at. I tell him what's going on. And he takes off work. And we get in the van and head for Hockley, Texas. By that point, I've talked back and forth with Brittany. Brittany says, I'm filling out a missing persons report. So she has called the Hardin County Sheriff's Department, and they told her to meet them at her house. So Brittany is at her house filing a missing persons report on Kaylana. Me and Kay's daddy, we're on our way to Hockley, Texas. I've never even heard of Hockley, Texas. So I decided to call the Austin Police Department. And the meantime, I had talked to Kay's friend in Austin, and he said that he had talked to the Harris County Sheriff's Department, and they were looking for her. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But I went ahead. I called the Austin Police Department because I was told that, you know, something bad had happened. And the officer that I had that, that got us was a lady. And so I am sending her all the information I can. I'm sending her pictures of Kaylana. I'm sending her Kaylana's car information. I'm sending everything I can get my hands on. I'm sending her bank information. At this point, Kaylana's boyfriend is back 
at their apartment, going through stuff, finding any information he can give me to send to check on her, to get her checked and get help. And we're driving and it's a two and a half hour drive to Hockley from our house. And the whole time we're driving up I-10, I'm messaging back and forth with this police officer. Finally, we get to Hockley, Texas, and it's, it's about maybe between 12 and 1 o'clock. And my phone rings, and it's the Austin police officer. And she, she says, what he told you was true. Harris County Sheriff's Department is looking for Kaolana. And I was like, what? And she said, they chased her with a helicopter and a dog. And she said, I'm so sorry to tell you this. And she said, good luck. And we hung up and I called the Harris County Sheriff's Department. And it took them a little while to get me over to a police officer. And when they did, the first question out of this police officer's mouth, literally, when I told him who I was and what I was doing, was, is your daughter homeless? And I said, no, sir, she is not. And he said, her car was full of bags of clothes. And I said, yes, sir. Um, she had rented a house, and her first night there, she woke up the next morning with bed bugs. And so she had to spend six weeks treating these bed bugs. And so she had taken all of her clothes. She has a vintage clothing business. She would taken all of her vintage clothing to the laundromat to wash it. And so that is why her car was full of bags of clothes. And he said, well, she's a drug addict, right? And I said, no, sir. She is not a drug addict. And he's like, well, let me tell you, she's in big trouble. Um, she damaged some people's property. And I'm thinking she ran through somebody's house as, as I'm talking to this man. I'm so scared that she injured somebody. And she almost hit a police officer. And I'm like, None of this makes sense. I'm trying to make sense of this. And I'm like, can we meet somewhere? And he's like, I'm getting off work. Here's the address for where this happened at. If I have not we're in a strange town. We've never even been in this town. And we were trying to figure out how to get to this house. And so we get out there to the subdivision where uh, this all started. And we get to the driveway. And there's a man outside. And he's, he's the homeowner. And um, we begin to talk to him, and he's telling us stuff. And then the, the lady of the house comes out, and so she's telling us that she woke up about 525, looked out in the window, and saw a car in their driveway. And she went and tried to wake Kaylana up and couldn't wake her up. And so she had called the police. But not only had she called the police, she called the HOA, I guess the board. So the president and everything. So the president of the HOA had drove down and blocked the cul-de-sac. And apparently they told us this. We didn't know any of this. So they had blocked the cul-de-sac. So the man asked my husband, he said, would you like to walk down to the car? And Harris County Sheriff, the, the sheriff that I talked to, told us that they had impounded Kaylana's car. And... My husband said, her car is still here. And he said, yes, do you want me to walk down there with you? And so Robbie said, yes, please. So Robbie and the man left to go look at the car. And I'm standing there 
with the lady and she begins to tell me, uh, you know, what Kay had, she said, she almost, she said, I thought she was going to hit my car. She didn't hit my car. I thought she was going to hit our, our pump house. She didn't hear our pump house. She drove across their yard, apparently. And she said, but the homeowners association president had blocked the cul-de-sac so she couldn't leave. Looking around the neighborhood, all the houses have gates. And so the only driveway that didn't have a gate was this house. And so she had turned her car around and she was back in that driveway. She, she tells me that the officer tried to get in Kaylana's car and Kaylana locked the door and the police officer busted Kaylana's window out. And then Kaylana drove through a fence, a picket fence. And the lady was very upset because she said she's got little horses and, and stuff like that. And then Kay had drove down an alleyway behind the house and this is a rural area like a little alleyway into the neighbor's backyard and he had an outbuilding and she had drove around that outbuilding and that neighbor said I don't know how she didn't hit the outbuilding and then back out his fence across a pasture where she bogged her car down so this lady is telling me that the police have told her that our daughter is a homeless drug addict with warrants and I am saying that is not true. And this lady is like, yes, it is true. We have an Airbnb next door. And the people that are staying there are drug dealers. And your daughter was here to buy drugs from them. And I'm saying that is not true. That is not true. And she said, it is true. The police told me this is true. Your daughter is a homeless drug addict. And I said, she is not. And she told me, she said, you don't know your daughter. And I said, Yes, I do. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kaylana's not a drug addict. She has a heart condition. She has asthma. She can't take medication. She would never put herself in danger by doing drugs. And um, this lady is just relentless with the fact that my daughter is a drug addict and, and homeless. So about that time, my husband comes walking up. And the lady had just told me that they said that Kay had come out on Decker Prairie Rose Hill Road. And she actually texted me the address of where they said Kaylana came out. So about that time, Robbie comes walking up with the man and he's carrying Kaylana's purse. He's carrying her little overnight bag. And Kaylana's shoes are in her little overnight bag. And he said, I found her shoes. He said, I had to dump the glass out of it. They were full of glass. So he had to dump the glass out of her shoes. She said she had went across a log on Spring Creek 
And she went across the log, and he knew that she'd made it across the log because he found her birth footprint. <laughs> so, and the, and the homeowner says, yeah, and the police have her phone. And we knew that because the police officer asked us what her code was. And I'm like, I don't know what her code is to get in her phone. But we know that they were wanting to prove that she had gone to get drugs, I guess. We don't know. Anyway. We head over to Decker Prairie, Rose Hill Road, the address that they gave us over there. And we had called our pastor and let him know what was going on. Well, our pastor had pastored a church in the Houston area, and one of his members worked for Equisarch, for Texas Equisarch. And so um, we were over at the property, and the lady that owned that house and the property where they said Carolina came out, she was wonderful. She let us all over her property. I was out there. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and just tennis shoes. And I'm out there crawling through the bramble, and I'm screaming Carolina's name. And the lady lets us check all of her outfits, and she was just so kind to us, and she didn't have to be that way. And Swabby is doing the same thing. And um, Mark from Texas Equisart calls. And he tells Robbie, he said, that they could come, that he would get together a, a search party to meet us the next morning, but that we needed to file a missing persons report. And we're standing in this lady's yard, and we call the Harris County Sheriff's Department and tell them we need to file a missing persons on Kailana because we had just got a call from Hardin County saying that they had canceled the missing persons because she had been spotted in Harris County. And so Hardin County had canceled the missing persons. So we call Harris County to file the missing person and they tell us that we have to go back to that property. So I text the homeowner and I just say, we're going to be out front on the street waiting for the Harris County Sheriff's Department to get there. So by then, Kaylana's best friend, Brittany, and her husband, Viet, have got to us. And we're waiting for the sheriff's department to get there. And while we're there, the people in the neighborhood start coming out, and they start talking to us. And apparently, it was like a circus out there that morning. And they begin to tell us what had happened and what they saw. And I'm introducing myself to people, and I walk up to a man, and I'm like, hi, my name is Rosa Calhoun, and my daughter's cut. And he said, I Googled your lovely daughter. I think there's been a horrible mistake. He Googled Kaylana's name, and he already knew that there had been a horrible mistake. Did Harris County Sheriff's Department Google my daughter's name to find out that there had been a horrible mistake? They had not. So then um, we're waiting, we're talking to all the people, and they are just treating us with such kindness. And they can tell that we are broken, that we just can't understand this. And so finally, when the sheriff's deputy gets there to file the missing persons report, we're in her purse. We found the medication, so we knew what medication she was on. We were giving him the information, and he's telling us, that this missing persons report is really not going to do us any good because when those warrants go into effect, there will be no missing persons. And so Robbie is making sure to tell Mark that 
that they're saying that the missing person will not be in a place once they put the warrants in effect. We're telling them everything. We're telling them about her heart. And we had found out that there was a picture that the Homeowners Association president had taken of Kailana. And when we got that picture, because they, they texted it to us, you know, her lips were completely blue. She was in the middle of a cardiac event. So not only was she having some kind of mental crisis, she was having a cardiac event. And we're trying to explain that to this police officer. And he's telling us that when they find her, that she is going to jail. And she's going to jail for a long time. And I'm telling him that when they find her, are they going to take her to the hospital? And he tells me that they are going to take her to the jail and the, somebody will evaluate her there. I'm like, she's having a cardiac event. And he, he said, we'll evaluate her there. So then she decides she wants to walk down to where Carolina's car is at. Now, bear in mind, they told us, Harris County has told us that they have impounded this car, that this car is theirs. And so we walk down there with the officer, and the whole time we're walking down there with him. And this is my first time going down to the car. And we get down there, and the whole time we're walking, he's like, how did they not catch her? How did they, how did she get away? I have no idea. She's a barefoot girl in a hot pink, long hot pink dress. And you know, if you're going to be able to spot somebody, you're going to be able to spot a girl in a long hot pink dress. He's like, this is just so bizarre. This is, I can't believe that they let her get away. And of course, this is the first day. This is March the 10th. You know, we finished with him. We walked back up and we're all, we're all in shock. Everybody is in shock. This, none of this makes sense. Kailana has so many family members that are affiliated with the police. She has best friends that are police. You know, uh, she houses for a retired state trooper. She has spent her whole life around people that were police. And so it doesn't make any sense that she would be scared of a police officer. But knowing, knowing that when she tried to move her car and she tried to leave, that they were down there taking pictures of her and screaming at her. And then while she's sitting in her car, and that's what they told us, she was just sitting in her car and somebody tries to get in her car and she locks the door. And when she locked the door to protect herself, he picked up a two by four and busted out her window. And we didn't find that out until the official police report came out that he busted her window out with a two-by-four. I thought they had used, like, one of those whole window punch things. But no, in the official report, two-by-four. Who does that? Who knocks somebody's window out with a two-by-four, especially a woman that is clearly in distress? We've filed everything. We've done everything we can. We begged them to please not taser her because her heart, she would die if they taser her. And we're asking them, please don't shoot her. And my niece and Brittany and everybody, they start working together to get flyers together. And Robbie is talking to Mark and with Texas Equisert. And Mark tells him, I will meet y'all on Decker Prairie, Rose Hill Road in the morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. 
So we have to get a hotel. We're not prepared. We have no clothes with us. We have nothing. And so we show up at this hotel with nothing. We have to ask for a toothbrush and, you know. So we get up. We watch the news that night because we're like, they chased her with a helicopter and a dog. This is going to be all over the news. And we checked every news station in the Houston area. There was not one single blip that there was a girl missing and that there was a girl that had ran from police. There was nothing on the news. The next morning we get out to Rose Hill Decker, Perry, or Decker Perry, Rose Hill Road to meet Mark. And he tells us, he said, I have a small group coming because Texas Equisource is a volunteer organization. I have a small group coming. We have some dogs that we're going to, we're going to try to track her, but y'all can't be here. So my niece and Brittany had put together this flyer. And so we said, okay, we'll go to Tomball and we'll just start passing out flyers. And on these flyers, we had put the Harris County Sheriff's Department number because we want to find her. We want to get this straight. You know, we're going to work with them because we know that this is just some big, huge misunderstanding. And so. We are walking the streets of Tomball, and they have, like, a little farmer's market and then a bunch of stuff like that. And we're passing out bars, and we're talking to them, and we're talking to the Tomball police. And so we get a phone call from Mark, and he says, okay, we're out. Um, they've got the warrants. So they had six hours to search that Saturday. And they did something called mowing the lawn where they just go back and forth and back and forth to try to cover as much property as they can. And they hadn't found anything. And they believe that she made it to the Decker Prairie Rose Hill Road. And maybe she was picked up by somebody, but they don't know. Because they couldn't search across the road because they were out. So we're still passing out flyers. We're going everywhere. We're going to all the hospitals. We're going to all the mental places. We're tracking down homeless. My niece is on her phone and she has come and um, we're all just scattered. And I'm at a hospital that night and there is a Harris County Sheriff's deputy there. And so I go to take him one of Kailana's flyers that we had printed up with their number on it. He put his hands behind his back. He refused to take the flyer and he looked at me and with such evil and anger in his eyes and he said, your daughter is not missing. She is a fugitive. And I said, she's not. I'm like, we know nobody from here. We're not from here. She is missing. And he said, she's a fugitive. And he wouldn't even touch the flyer. And so at that point, we realized Harris County had no interest in helping to find Kailana. And they had told us, if we see her, we're going to arrest her. And so we printed up new flyers. And this time we put my phone number on it because we couldn't trust them anymore to run and look and see if it was Kiwana. And we have passed out more than 20,000 flyers in that area. 
we have friends that are like up in K, K has friends in the Dallas area and they printed up flyers up there. Um, we had friends out in Austin and they were printing flyers up and everybody was working to pass out these flyers. We're just scattered out, taking these flyers everywhere we can, talking to people, telling them, and we begin to get calls from people. Oh, I saw a girl over here. Oh, I saw a girl up there. Oh, I saw this. Oh, I saw that. So we're running everywhere because we've never, we've never done anything with the missing person. We don't know how to do this. We didn't realize that if you said, take a picture so that we can tell if it's her or not. But no, we're just getting in vehicles and running. So we're doing this, running across Harris County Sheriff's deputies. They're telling us if they find her, they're going to arrest her. I'm like, you know, at this point, there's nothing we can do except find her. And our goal is to find her and get her to a hospital and, and call them and let them know. We call all of our friends and we said, we need y'all to start calling the Harris County Sheriff's Department and ask them to drop the warrants because Texas EquiSearch told us that they cannot be involved as long as those warrants are in place and as long as she is listed as a fugitive and not missing. So we had called all our friends, our church, everybody saying, hey, we need help. We need you guys to call and ask them to drop the warrants. And I called the district attorney's office and said, trying to get the warrants dropped and the lady that answered the phone, she told me, she said, we are not here to help you. We are here to prosecute your daughter to the fullest. And that is what we intend to do. And I am crying on the phone with her saying, she's never even had a parking ticket. How can, how can this be? They had assigned a missing person detective to Kailana for that first few hours before the warrants went into effect. So Robbie and him were keeping in touch. And the little ladies in our church who have nothing better to do than to spend their day on the phone calling the Harris County Sheriff's Department. So the missing person detective told Robbie, he said, y'all are killing us here. He said, every other phone call is drop the warrants against Kailana Turner, drop the warrants against Kailana Turner. And he told Robbie, he said, that is never going to happen. They are not going to drop this. Those warrants are in place and you need to tell your people to stop calling. And Robbie's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell them to stop calling. Brittany and Brianne decided that we needed to have a, a web page to help with the search for Kailana. So they made the update for Kailana Turner on Facebook. So we were getting tips from that. And they were, Brittany had been so good about if there was anything that came out with Kailana's name on it, Brittany was grabbing it screenshotting it and putting it all in a file and so she had everything in place and they're telling what's going on in our fight and trying to get these warrants dropped and what we're doing and about not being able to have the missing persons and the warrants at the same time and this guy starts saying this is not true this is all a lie y'all are lying y'all aren't telling the truth and so Brittany ended up messaging the guy and saying no this is all true and he's like I am a retired Harris County sheriff deputy and I work in the warrants division and you can have a missing person and a warrant at the same time and he said y'all are lying and so Brittany just started sending him all the information that we had and everything that was happening with us 
and she told him that Kay had $80,000, an $80,000 bond had been set for her. And he said, there are murderers that don't have an $80,000 bond. But Brittany had captured all of that and she sent it to it. And he's like, this is unbelievable. And he began to tell Brittany, he actually called Brittany, they, they spoke, and he walked her step by step to what she needed to do to get the missing persons reinstated. So at this point, we're almost at two weeks of Kay missing. And um, somebody is saying, y'all need to file a complaint with internal affairs. So we had, we get up early and head to internal affairs to file a complaint. Brittany meets us there. By then we've got our van is six and we're, so we have wills. Um, and we go and all three of us are filling out a thing to file a complaint. And the officer comes out and he says, I only need one of y'all to file a complaint. And so my husband, Robbie, he, Kay's dad, he's like, okay, I'll fill out the complaint. Well, Brittany says, while he's doing that, let's go see if we can get the missing person reinstated. So we headed to downtown Houston where the retired officer had given her an address to go to. And we get there and they are telling us that, no, that is not, they can't do that. And every time the lady would tell her no, Brittany would say, this, 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 and you, you can reinstate this missing person. The lady finally gets tired of dealing with us, I guess, and ends up sending us to another building and we don't know what it is and when we get there um we walk in there's a lady um an officer sitting behind the desk and we go up to her and we're telling her why we're there and she's like y'all are in the wrong place this is the harris county jail and Brittany says this is where they sent us there is somebody here that is supposed to help us and the lady said i don't know what you're talking about because this is the jail and we don't do that and Brittany just doubles down that this is where they, this is where we're supposed to be. So finally, this officer comes out from the back and he comes and we go stand and start talking to him. And he's like, this is the wrong place. Y'all are at the wrong place. He said, this is the jail. And Brittany says, they told us that we were supposed to come here. And we begin to tell him what was going on. And he said, well, I used to work in the warrants department. Let me see what I can do. So he starts calling people. We're there for two and a half hours. And then he walks to the back. He says, I'll be back. He walks to the back. And he comes out. And he is holding our missing person. He said, your missing person has been reinstated. And me and Brittany just break down. Because he said, I had to go through three higher-ups to get this done. But you now have your missing person. And we are just so thankful because we're like, we couldn't get any media attention. We couldn't get anything for two weeks. It was literally us and our friends running around, passing out flyers and trying to talk to people. And so we know, okay, we've got a missing person. They suspended her warrant or they're like, they're running side by side. About that time. Robbie calls and he is finished with the complaint. So we're all trying to meet back up and we end up at a water burger. He calls the missing person detective and says they've reinstated her missing persons. And the missing person detective said, I'll check on it, but he didn't believe it. And so we're sitting there, we're hurrying up and eating and 
we get a call that maybe she was possibly spotted in Conroe, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away from where we are. So Brittany ends up having to go back for work. And me and Robbie head towards Conroe to check and see if this person can want And we had just made it to Conroe. And Robbie's phone rings and we pull him to McDonald's. And it's the missing person's statement. He said, send me her picture. You've got your missing person. 15 days. It took 15 days to get her missing person reinstated. And we were like, we're going to get help. So Texas Equisearch says that they're going to come on board. We literally have not been home. We have lived in a hotel in Tomball this whole time. We've not been home. And my sister had came and brought clothes and stayed with us and helped us to search for Kay. And Equisearch said, okay, we're going to be back in. We're going to help y'all and everything. And we met with them. Our pastor came. And his wife, they came to be with us while we got to Equisearch on that Sunday. I think Sunday or Monday. It might have been Monday. Everything runs together. And Texas says, go home and rest for a day. Because we had just been running full out for that whole time. They're like, we're going to, we got this. We come home. And we're not home very long. I mean, like, we got to see our, our little grandbabies and stuff. And we get called from Texas Equus that they are now out again. <laughs> that they've been told that because the warrants are still in effect that they can't and they can't help us. So we head back to Tomball and we just work and work and work and we're telling Pamela's story and we're searching and we're we while we were gone we head towards Conroe because when Kaolana went missing that morning and they chased her with a dog and they chased her with a helicopter they did not call Montgomery County. She was in Montgomery County. They did not call Montgomery County for three hours. So Robbie said, we need to stop and talk to the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department and, and talk to them. And so we ended up, we ended up at one place and they said, oh, y'all are at the wrong place. And they sent us to another place. And we got to that place. They actually sent us back to the place where we had originally been. And the mental health deputy at Montgomery County had read the story and when we got there they had told us that a lady was going to come out and talk to us but this guy comes out and he said I just read y'all's story and we're telling him and he's like if we catch her in Montgomery County if we find her in Montgomery County our first thing will be to take her to the hospital and to make sure that she is safe and at that moment we knew that we were going to at least have help from other law enforcement people and um, the Tomball police had also been wonderful to us. We at least were like had had some hope that if if one of these two law enforcement agencies found Kaylana, that their number one priority would be to make sure that she was safe. We just end up back in Tomball. We're just searching, 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 and that is where we are now. We are we are searching every day. It got to the point my husband used all of his vacation, all of his sick time while we stayed in Tomball. And then it became, do I quit my job and we lose everything? Or do I come back and work and we go to Tomball every weekend 
and search for her. And that is what we have been doing since March the 10th. That has become our life. And I have reached out to every single person. I've done every single thing. We wrote the governor. We've called the governor. We called the attorney general. And everybody tells us that they can't help us. We've talked to Ernest Bales, that is our representative from here. We've talked to everybody that we know trying to get help. And the majority of the time we hear no help. They're not going to help us. The sweetest, kindest girl, and we can't get any help for her. And so Robbie talked to... um, the missing person detective and was like, hey, you know, we've got to have help. And so, and the lady with the Crime Stoppers, when she was having to put out the thing, she was not wanting to do it. And she's like, she doesn't deserve this. And I said, we have to do whatever we can to get her name out there and nobody is helping us. And so they do have the $5,000 Crime Stopper reward to help us. Literally, I babysit for a living, and my husband is a park manager, you know, and we have, our friends have have paid for the, for all the flyers. They, the people that I babysit for have paid for all our nights in the hotel rooms. I've been babysitting for 27 years, and our families have just done that for us so that we can be there to search and, and to do what we need to do for Kailana. Um, so, we um, we had got a search team that was coming for the um, the 29th um, around the 29th of June um, or the 23rd of June to do a search for Ka- for Kailana with underwater drones and stuff because none of that water had been checked and everything and and we had put together some search teams earlier from people that were our our friends and family had come and done searches but. You know, we're not professional searchers. We're just our family. So we had had some searches like that. And so this organ, this group from um, San Antonio had said that they would bring underwater drones. And so they were coming and we were preparing to get ready for that search and we get a call from Equisearch telling us that they were back in. And so Equisearch the Wednesday before we did the underwater search, um, they had cleared a big area and she wasn't there. And then over the weekend, we did the, the underwater search with the underwater drones and stuff and didn't find anything. And then the next Wednesday, Equisearch was out there and did another 50 acres and cleared that, that she, and they didn't find anything. So it's just been a lot a lot going on and we continue to search for her. Um, Gabby, Gabby Hart did a program about Kay in May. I think it was on the 15th of May about her. And then this past Monday, she did another report where she highlighted Kaylana again. And um, me and my husband just did an interview with her yesterday again where she was highlighting Kailana. We have to have help. We're fighting so hard to find her. But we have to have help. We're gonna get you some help. We have a lot of people in the Houston area and and that's what we do. Thank you. We're gonna put this episode out 
going to give you just a second here the opportunity to tell everybody where and how to get a hold of you in the in the Facebook group. But what we're going to have is our listeners that are in the Harris County area or anywhere around there in in Texas that are able to help physically search, help take care of some expenses for you. Maybe um, I'll probably uh, assign one of our listeners to kind of run point on Kaylana's case for you guys to kind of help organize things. But we're going to get you guys some help. We have been out there. We have been out there on Decker Prairie Rose Hill Road and Co Loop. We have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours out there. We have walked every single neighborhood out there passing out flyers. And while we stood out there on that road passing out flyers, we never one time saw one police officer. And we know had that morning, had Harris County Sheriff's Department called Montgomery County and had them out there on that road that Kaywana would have run to their car and said, please help me. Someone has busted out my car. Somebody is trying to hurt me. But they robbed us of that that morning. And we just are at a loss as to how the sweetest, kindest, most loving girl in the world could have been treated so horribly. Rosa, you and your family and Kaylana are in all of our thoughts and our prayers and and we're gonna do what we can everything we can do to help you find her. Thank you so much. Thank you. We really we really appreciate it. We just feel like that the most important thing is for people to tell her story. We're hundred and twenty seven days out. We have no idea where she is. We have to have help. To contact Rosa, receive updates on the case, and any requests for help, go to Facebook and join the Updates for K. Alana Turner group. I'll provide a link to the group in the description of this episode. K. Alana is 28 years old, white with long brown hair. She's 5'4 and 110 pounds. She was last seen on the morning of March 10th at around 6 a.m. in the Country Hills neighborhood in Tomball, Texas. Her car was found northwest of that neighborhood near Spring Creek, which is the border to Montgomery County. It's believed that she crossed the creek into Montgomery County shortly after exiting her vehicle. The closest road to where the car was found is Decker Prairie Rose Hill Road. If you have any information on the whereabouts of K. Alana Turner, please call Texas EquiSearch at 281-309-9500. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com Design Created manages and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnick, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. 
The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod, and I can be found on social media at BobRuffTruth. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.